Blog Talk Radio. This is Creativity and Play. I'm Steve Felbert. And I'm Mary Alice Long. Welcome. You can find us online at Creativity and Play. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Creativity Play. And download archived editions on iTunes. Today we're celebrating our one-year anniversary this month of Creativity and Play with the two of us. And our guest again joining us shortly, Sir Ken Robinson. We wanted to catch up, first of all, on our first year together of the topics that we've done on the show and look forward to what might be coming up in the future as well. So, first of all, Mary Alice, it's been great to spend the last year with you exploring topics of creativity and play and and, uh, particularly across several different areas of life and society that we've looked at on the show. I'm wondering if you have a highlight that uh, is on the top of your mind that pops up among the many different topics and guests we've had so far. Well, I think that at the top of the list is Sir Ken Robinson, who I believe may be joining us. So we'll segue to him, but I do think it's pertinent that it is the weekend of nine, our anniversary of 9-11 as well, and of course all the many social and world changes that we're we're having and how creativity can influence those. So let's see if he's with us here. Welcome. Hello there. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, morning. Sir Ken. We're on. Excellent. Well, as we celebrate our one-year anniversary this month on Creativity and Play, we're pleased to welcome back our very first guest, Sir Ken Robinson. Sir Ken is one of the leading thinkers on the role of creativity and education work in society. His TED Talks have been viewed by millions and millions of people who care about making education a more meaningful experience, as well as how creativity can engage people in purposeful learning, work, and life. He's also the author of The Element and Out of Our Minds. Sir Ken Robinson, welcome back to Creativity and Play. It's a great pleasure to be back. Thanks for asking me. Well, in this past year, we've seen each other a couple times, but I'm wondering if you would tell the the rest of the world what you've been up to in the past year, and particularly what you're most excited and passionate about of of your own work that that you're involved with currently. Well, um, it's it's been a a hectic year. It's actually been... um, I wouldn't say it's the busiest year I've ever had, but I can't think of a busier one off the top of my my head. Uh, I've been traveling a lot. Uh, I was uh, in Europe uh, earlier in the year. Uh, A highlight there for me was I I was given the Lego Prize, uh, which was not because I'm very good with Lego. Um, (laughs) It wasn't I built the best bridge or anything. Uh, Lego is, I think, a very interesting company, and they, Uh uh, they have an annual prize which they award to people who, in their view, uh, have, have made significant contributions to education and to creativity. And uh, it, it's partly a cash prize to give to projects. So I went out to, uh, uh, to Billund in Copenhagen to receive that from the owner and chairman of the, of the company. It's still owned by the Lego family. Learned a lot about the history of the company, but I was also able through that, to offer support to a cause that I'm very uh, committed to, which is uh, uh, it's an anti-slavery movement called Free the Slaves. And Free the Slaves is uh, an international organization which was established to 
aimed well, to aim to eradicate this terrible curse of slavery. I, I didn't know until I got involved that there are more slaves on earth now than at any time in history. There are 27 million slaves, it's estimated, around the world. And wow. the answer to it is partly the education of those who are involved in these shocking trades, but also when people are liberated from slavery, and that's the whole purpose of the, uh, of the program, uh, of course, being physically liberated is only the beginning. You have to be uh, emotionally and mentally liberated as well. And that's really where education is absolutely critical. And there's an annual award ceremony, which I hosted uh, last year. I'll be hosting it again this year. Uh, called the Freedom Awards, where we honour people who are doing remarkable things. And the reason I mention it in this context is that a lot of the people who are doing these wonderful uh, projects to help people recover from slavery and, and, and own their lives again are using uh, educational projects rooted in creativity and not only, but also including the arts. And it seems to me a very powerful message here that when creativity uh, is at the heart of initiatives in education uh, to remedy some of the worst excesses we can imagine, then it really demonstrates to me that th th these are not trivial issues, that, uh, that the whole argument for creative education or a more creative approach to education, including, but I say not only the arts, but including the arts, uh, applies to everybody. If, it, if it's applicable in the direst of circumstances, it's, it's applicable in all circumstances. So for me, the issues that we talk about uh, have really never been more central, and they're central to everybody's education. So I've, I've been doing a lot of traveling. I'm working on a new book, and we're also planning some new media uh, materials. So it's been a good year. We, we were going to ask if you were working on a new book, and if so, can you share anything about it? Yes. Uh, I, the, the Element was published 18 months ago, uh, well, a little over now, I think. And it's, it's, it's had a really strong effect on people. It, it's been translated, I think, now into 22 languages uh, around the world. And, and I, I have a lot of uh, feedback, a lot of correspondence about the book. I've had the opportunity to talk a lot about it with different groups around the world. And the, the essence of it, as you know, is, is that, in my view, many people don't really connect with their true talents or abilities and don't really know what they're capable of. And I think this has real implications for the quality of people's lives, for the meaning and purpose that people find in their lives, and, and therefore big implications for all kinds of uh, organizations and especially for education. Well, um, the, the book itself, when I uh, was working on it, was never intended, so to speak, to be a how-to book. It was really a, can we have a conversation about this sort of a book, uh, to draw attention to these issues. And I interviewed lots of people for the book, uh, and my point about, uh, in, including the interviews, was that some of the people who are quite well-known would not have been well-known had they not really discovered their true talents and their true sense of, of who they were and what they could do. So it wasn't meant to be a how-to book, but nonetheless, uh, I've been asked a lot over the past uh, couple of years, um, so how, if I haven't found my element, uh, how do I do that? Or I, I'd like to be able to help my kids, or uh, you know, what advice would you give for friends and so on? And I really believe I owe people a, a, an answer to that. So the new book is about that. It's provisionally called Finding Your Element. Though um, I remember when the element I was first working on it, it was called the provisional title was Epiphany. And for those who saw that, uh, yes, for those who saw the first TED talk, I actually refer to it as Epiphany. And then we changed the title of the book 
Um, uh, subsequently, uh, but nonetheless, my mentioning it has done wonders for other books that are called Epiphany, which is <laughs> very nice for them, really. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> but the book is actually called The Elements, so if anybody's still looking for my book called Epiphany, I didn't, uh, that's not what it's called. But, uh, <laughs> so the new, the new book is about that. It, it's, it's more of a, a guide to helping yourself and other people discover their, their own element. And when do you expect it to sort of come out? It's due out in about a year. Uh, that's not because uh, uh, it's it's but partly because of publishing schedules. Uh, we don't want to bring it out next fall because uh, we'll be in the midst of uh, a presidential election. That's a bit of a uh, a bad time to, to launch anything. Um, mm. I mean, much as I think people will welcome the book, I'm not sure it will overshadow the presidential election in the United States. So <laughs> I think and we confidently expect the media will pay more attention at that particular event. So uh, it'll, it'll come out about then, and we're planning a whole range of other activities to go around it. But uh, I'm always very keen to say about it that it's not meant to be um, a 12-step program or a 10-step program. I mean, there are, as it happens, 10 chapters in the book. But I can't guarantee that by the end of Chapter 10 you'll be a new element. And the reason is that you know, it's not an instructional manual. My, the, my whole point is that, that all of us, is, you know, we're all on a unique our own unique journey. Uh, each of our lives is unique, and we have our own talents and circumstances and interests and passions. So it is about people taking their own journey seriously, and it's a two-way journey, I think. It's partly an inward journey uh, to reflect on your, with yourself and to assess yourself and take stock and, and be with yourself. Um, but it's also an outward journey. It's to try new things and expose yourself to new experiences and circumstances. So the book's intended as a guide to that terrain. It's not a roadmap. It, it, it's a set of principles and navigational tools and examples and experiences that I think people will find helpful as they reflect on their own lives and plan where they'd like to go next. So we'll make it big for our two-year anniversary to uh, talk about that book. <laughs> that would be great. There you go. You were at the Imagination Summit in New York, Sir Ken, and yes. I wonder what your um, some of the takeaways you had from that, and perhaps you could share a couple practical tools that are coming out of your writing on your new book for people to enhance their creativity for individually and for any uh, social action there or family action or community action they're trying to bring about. Well, the Imagination Summit, for those... Uh, who are listening who may not know of it, was organized through the uh, Lincoln Center Institute, in particular by Scott Noppy Brandon, who I think does great work there. And uh, over the past year or so, uh, Scott and the Institute have organized, stimulated a series of meetings around the country, which they've called the Imagination Conversation. And I think by the end of next year, they'll, they'll have taken place in... Uh, all 50 states, it may be before then. Uh, there's been a great response to that. People have come from all sorts of backgrounds and, uh, and, uh, and interest groups to talk about the role and importance of imagination and of stimulating and encouraging it. To me, this is very important because, as I've written elsewhere and talked a lot about, promoting creativity, the, the ability, the process of having original ideas, have value as I define it, is absolutely critical uh, to our education systems, to our economies, to the health of our communities. 
Uh, President Obama in his State of the Union address earlier in the year talked about the importance of innovation and of education, those twin things. Um, it's a big part of his uh, job strategy, but it's an all-party issue. I think people, I, I speak all around America and internationally to all sorts of groups, and people absolutely get that, that we need to think strategically about creativity, both for the quality of our lives and for the sustainability of our economies and indeed of the entire planet. It, it's, these are not trivial matters. But a lot of what I argue for is that creativity doesn't come out of the blue. Creativity is the, uh, is the flower, so to speak, of imagination. Imagination is the ability to bring to mind things that aren't present. And, and it's, I think, the most significant power that human beings have. And it's the foundation of this great suite of practical abilities that we call creativity. So what interested me about the summit was that it brought together people from around the country, many of whom had been at one or more of the state conversations, to take stock and say, well, where do we go from here? And what was especially interesting to me was we had people from every kind of background. There were uh, people from education, people from business. Uh, there were people from uh, the, the military. There were people from uh, the Homeland Security Services. There were people from um, there were spiritual leaders there. Uh, not because uh, everybody has exactly the same agenda, but there is a, a strong common interest. And, and the real point of that, I think, is that if, if we're to encourage and facilitate the shift that I believe we have to in the way we think about ourselves and our institutions, it has to be a very broad-based movement. It can't be seen as an esoteric movement. And I think the imagination conversation showed that it, it's not. Uh, what the next steps are, are I think, are to, uh, for the Institute to draw together those thoughts and to say, well, you know, what practical things can people now do to stay connected? One of them, and it's where... Steve and I, uh, and Mary Alice, you, know, you and I have had some contact over the year, is the establishment of the National Creativity Network. Uh, that came out of work that originally that I've been involved in for a number of years in Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma has a, a mission to become uh, the creative state, the state of creativity. And there's been a four-year, probably five-year project now there to... Uh, coordinate and stimulate innovation and creativity in all different areas of the state. One thing that came from that is a connection which I was very pleased to facilitate with the international uh, districts of creativity. There are, I think, now 17 of them around the world, now including Oklahoma. And we, as we talked about that, we thought, that wouldn't it be great if uh, within North America there was a, so to speak, a domestic network of creative districts? So if anybody's interested in that, uh, they, they can... Google uh, National Creativity Network and get more information. So in, in that way and others, uh, people are, are, I think, making serious efforts to support each other's work and to stimulate new thinking and, and to make it work practically in our institutions. It's a long haul. I mean, I've always been keen to say that. None of these things happen overnight, but it's about, it is about helping a movement move. And can you share just a couple um, practical and impractical tools that individuals can today uh, use in their lives to enhance their creativity in their in home and uh, in their communities. I myself um, dream and pay attention to my dreams, and I find dreams very helpful in my creative and playful life. And yeah, and so so significant that really I look to them for 
huge amount of my guidance. And so I wonder, you know, what couple other things that you might add as you're let, let me writing. Just ask you about that. Let me ask you about that first, though. I mean, uh, when you say you pay attention to dreams, do you have a, a, a rhythm and a, and a method for that? Do you write them down first thing in the morning? Or what do you do? I do, yes. I'm a I'm a union therapist, if you don't know that by background, and so I advocate for uh, the importance of play and creativity in my work specifically, but dreams are part of that, and I write them down. I write them down. I pay attention to dreams as in all of my life, but there's the sleep dreams I write down in the morning, and then I honor them by taking creative action. So something's calling in the dream, and I do something with it as much as I can. And I go yeah. back to dreams where I didn't feel like I filled it in. And I do. Uh, I work with arts and storytelling in all kinds of different forms, nature, walks, etc., to uh, honor the dream, depending on what comes up. And I advocate for that for others. And what's what's the principle beneath that? Do you believe that your dreams are giving you? Um, messages you, you need to pay attention to, that they're expressing feelings that you weren't aware of before you dreamt of them? I mean, how would you I believe that? I believe that dreams are a, a huge gift and um, it's a waste not to pay attention to them because they're there for our healing, for our creativity, for uh, they're there to uh, bring attention to the unique creative human beings we are and to enhance our lives in that way, so... So it's right goes dovetails with all of our work very in a very yeah. significant way, and it's and there are a lot of people paying attention to dreams, but there's a lot who are not. So that's why yeah. I brought that up. Yeah. Well, you see, one of the reasons I, I find this so interesting is that that a lot of our uh, focus on in education is, so to speak, on the on the outer world. I mean, I should explain that. I was up in uh, Vancouver. Uh, actually, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing two things. One was uh, giving a, a presentation at the Vancouver Playhouse uh, it, for an event that was organized by the Dalai Lama Center in Vancouver, the Dalai Lama Center for Peace and Education. And uh, I went there, I gave a talk on educating the heart and mind. And uh, I think some of that will be on, on their website shortly. Uh, it was a really interesting evening. We had uh, a short discussion afterwards uh, on stage, and among other things we were talking about was the work of uh, the Horn Foundation, which is the uh, foundation uh, uh, that was established by Goldie Horn. Goldie Horn and her foundation are doing very interesting work in introducing uh, it's a program called Mind Up, which is essentially a, a, um, a series of activities rooted in mindfulness and meditation, which are being used in schools, quite a number of schools actually, in the greater Vancouver area, but also across the states. And uh, it's related in its way to the work of people like Dan Siegel, uh, who wrote a book called Mindsight. Um, the connection, obviously, with the, the Dalai Lama Center and others is that, is that there's a common interest in, uh, in encouraging young people as, as well as people of all ages to engage in a process of um, not even I wouldn't even describe it as in a reflection but of of being with themselves of of um, of stilling their minds and of dwelling in their own uh, person their own personhood 
And uh, I went on uh, the next day to uh, film a conversation, which uh, again will be on his website, with Eckhart Tolle, who wrote the book The Power of Now and A New Earth. Um, the, the common theme here is that we all do have a rich inner life, and we are all unique beings. I was asking this audience, I've been asking people recently about it, how many human beings they think have ever lived. It's a very interesting question to me. If you think that modern human beings have been around, as far as anybody can tell, uh, for about 50,000 years, I don't mean troglodytes and and uh, and all the things that may precede us, but I mean homo sapiens, kind of groovy people you know, like ourselves. Um, <laughs> about about 50,000 years, it's estimated. Well, if, if you Google the question, how many people have lived, it, you come up with answers somewhere between 60 and 110 billion, which is a large number. So I would split the difference and say, well, let's say 80 billion. Well, 80 billion is a huge number of lives that have been spent on the Earth, on this planet, uh, since over the past 50,000 years. And one of the things that Dalai Lama said uh, in one of his books was that to be born at all is a miracle. Well, it is, if you think of it. If you think of all the people who had to meet and in what circumstances, all the chance encounters and the relationships that had to have taken place down those 50,000 years before you know, all the people who are, make up the fine tracery of your own ancestry met and the children they had and so on and so forth until eventually your grandparents met and then your parents met and you were born the odds against it are pretty staggering frankly and so as he says to be born at all is a miracle uh so congratulations i feel you know we made it but then the question is well what are you going to do with this life of yours now that you have it that's partly what the element is about but the where this connects to, to the dream issue i think is this that that um uh, there was a, a very interesting book published in the early 70s by a man called Robert Whitkin. It was called The Intelligence of Feeling. Uh, it's, it's the same theme as Emotional Intelligence that Daniel Goldman published about, I don't know, 15 years later, I guess. But uh, Bob Whitkin makes a very simple distinction, which is that we all live in two worlds, that there's a world that exists whether or not we exist, so to speak. The world that was there before you were born, that you have entered, and you'll leave at some point the world of other people, of things, of events, of objects, um, the world that we all share. But he said there's, a, uh, but there's another world which exists only because you exist, the world that came into being with your consciousness and that will change or end uh, when you do. Uh, it's the world of your inner being, your private consciousness, what R.D. Lang used to describe as the world where there's only one set of footprints. And... The, the, the reason I'm so interested in what you're saying about dreams and so on, and about, also about meditation and these techniques, and why I'll be talking about them more in the element, in element as I, I think of it now as element two. Mm -hmm. uh, my kind of element two this time, it's personal, I tend to think of it. But, but um, is that in our education systems, we spend a huge amount of time, uh, almost all our time, focusing children on the outer world, or students on the world beyond them, the, 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 uh, the external world. And we should spend time, of course, on that. It's, it's, it's our context. It's our frame. But we spend hardly any time helping them to engage with their own inner world, with the world of their feelings, their consciousness, their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations, their essential essence. We, that's, a, that's, that's just a blank half of the ledger when you look at education. And, and it's becoming more and more abandoned the more education becomes obsessed with conformity and standardized testing and 
uh, and league tables and everything else. And it, to me, couldn't be a greater mistake that we make when we abandon our children uh, and leave them hopeless in the, in the face of their own inner worlds. And so part of what I'm, I'm going to be talking about in the element are um, techniques uh, that people can use to engage that way. And I think, for example, one of the importance of the arts in education, there are many, but one of them, is that the arts providers, in all their myriad ways, with, uh, with ways of engaging with both of those worlds, with uh, helping to make sense of them, of our relationships with ourselves and with the world around us. Uh, the, the arts are about the qualities of our perceptions and the nature of our experiences in the world. And so when I see arts programs being cut, I mean, my arguments for creativity aren't confined to the arts. Uh, I keep, always want to say that because people often confuse the two and think, well, I'm not creative because I'm not artistic, and that's just a mistake to think that. But, but one of the reasons for the arts is that they offer ways into this richer life of individual experience and feeling. Uh, there are other ways too, but that, that's among them. And of course, a lot of artists are, are inspired by um, things that don't just take place in your frontal cortex. That's why the dream theme is interesting to me because what it illustrates is that our consciousness is rich and diverse and sometimes turbulent and, but there's much more to our consciousness than what happens when we sit down to do uh, con conventional academic work I, I, have yes. to, uh, I have to say that what you're describing in terms of the, the inner life and, and what you were saying earlier about what the elements is about and what people are searching for to find ways to tap into this and do this is certainly true in my new class of students in my creativity and social change class and whether they're 22 or 32 or 42 or 52 years old there was a very common theme in their papers they've just written at the beginning of the semester about why they're taking the class and what they're hoping to get out of it that is very much about um, you know trying to find purposeful work and either because they're just starting their careers or they're stuck in a job that they really don't like in an environment that doesn't feed them at all so I, I certainly just want to echo what you're saying and, and uh, looking forward to the continued work that you're doing to help people think about how to tap into this and, and many other people as well. I'm wondering in the last couple of minutes that we have, if, if we can come back to what Mary Alice said at the beginning, which is you know recognizing what this, this week is in this country, 9-11 on, on Sunday and the anniversary. And again, picking up on a lot of the themes you've already talked about of the importance of creativity and healing and resilience and, and sort of what are you thinking about this week in terms of the role that creativity and education plays in how we respond to and heal and, and go forward related to what's, what happened in this country Yeah, what is happening in this country? Well, yes, it, it's a very <clears throat> significant week, particularly here in America. By the way, I'm, I'm conscious that I didn't uh, directly answer Mary Alice's question about uh, the practical things that are in the, the new element book. Uh, but that can be our next conversation, Mary Alice, can't it? Um, Absolutely. Thank and, you. Uh, we, we can come back to that. And in the meantime, uh, of course, we can put advanced orders in for the book itself. You know, it's going to be a marvelous investment, I feel. <laughs> I no, but, totally agree. I'm looking but, forward to it. But let me just, just in, the, in the minute two we've got, um, it, it's obviously it's a very significant time for everybody uh, and we all have our own reasons for thinking it's significant, um, uh, individually as well as collectively. In our case, uh, 
one of the significances of, of this week is that uh, we moved, uh, my wife Terry and I and our two uh, children, James and Kate, we moved to America 10 years ago. Uh, we arrived here on the 30th of June, 2001. And on um, the 10th of September, uh, I flew out to Washington. Uh, I was at the time working with the Getty Center here, doing some work for them. And we had a board meeting in Washington. I flew out to attend that meeting. And I can remember on the morning of uh, September the 11th, I was on a bus uh, with the trustees of the Getty and the board. We were uh, being driven to the National Gallery in Washington. And I remember thinking what a beautiful day it was and uh, how much I uh, was enjoying being in America. We've been here just for a couple of months. And this was my first trip away from home, from Los Angeles, where we live. And we uh, we went to attend the board meeting. So I was in Washington on 9-11. Uh, our meeting was interrupted with, with the news. Uh, the whole of Washington went into a lockdown. Uh, I called my family. Uh, there were members of the board who had uh, friends and relatives in New York uh, down near Ground Zero. So I had a very personal relationship to it. And, of course, we didn't know how it was going to end. We were uh, locked in the hotel uh, pretty much for the next four days, and uh, it came in on me how large the country is at that point um, and uh, the need to get back. Uh, and we eventually, I think I was on the first plane, one of the first planes from the East Coast back to L.A., which wasn't a very comfortable feeling, as you might imagine, in all the circumstances. But it was the terrible sense of trauma that people had, and I know everyone I've spoken to uh, says how much the country has been emotionally changed by those events. What happened in the immediate aftermath of it was there was a tremendous coming together. There was a wonderful outpouring here uh, when I got back and all over the place of a common sense of, um, of having to hold together. And it wasn't just jingoism, uh, but it, it was about a common sense of, um, of uh, having a shared challenge and having to unite around it. it. That happens in times of tragedy. It happened in Katrina. It happens, I'm sure it's happening right now on the East Coast in the aftermath of Irene. Uh, terrible times pull people together. Um, and what we always hope is that that feeling of togetherness will sustain itself once the immediate danger has passed. And so that's what I think about here. I, mean, I think of how people were feeling the fear they had, but also the uh, sense of community that it engendered. And I think if we can hold on to that and not just the fear, then a lot of things that we're frightened of uh, will, I, I think, uh, be... They'll take a different perspective. They'll go into a different perspective. Well, Sir Ken, thank you so much for joining us again on Creativity in Place. Sir Ken Robinson is a leading thinker on creativity and the author of The Elements. Our theme music is Kindergarten, composed and performed by Jonathan Batiste. You can listen to this show and previous shows again and find more information about our guests and coming shows at creativityandplay.com and find Creativity in Play on Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes as well. Creativity in Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Ellis Long. Thank you, Sir Ken. Lovely to be with you. Great pleasure. Thank you both. <laughs>